Hi, this is Emily. And this is Maddie. And this is Spill the Mead. Folk Tales. Once upon a time, Emily and Maddie were a couple dimes. That's true. And I flipped to this story that I'm about to read and I had dog-eared the page. Don't get mad at me, people. I also, hey, I don't like dog-earing. We don't have any bookmarks in the studio. We need mm. little, like, we need some post-its or something. Yeah, or like yeah. little paper clips. Oh, yeah, a little paper clip. Mm-hmm. little cute little clippy. Um, anyways, I dog-eared it and the next page number is 419, which is my birthday. So that seems lucky. So I feel like this it's is going to be a good one. so lucky. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be good now. I love it. The universe was like, Emily, read me. Um, And the d- title sounds good. This is an Indian folktale. Like, okay. actual... It, uh, we read old books all the time, so it always refers to Native or Indigenous Americans as Indians. Yes. No, this is India. India. Okay. Um, cool. And because of that, it is going to take me a while to figure out how to pronounce names. So okay. That's okay. Give me a break. Yep, do your best. Um, it's called Vasa... Vadata. Okay. Vasa Vadata. Cute. Vasa Vadata. Okay. Vasa That's a lot. Yeah. Vasa Vadata. Yeah. Vasa Vadata. That's very fun to say. Uh, yeah. Vasa Vadata. Yeah. <laughs> Vasa Vadata, the courtesan. Oh my God. That's a name. Yeah, baby. Oh, I love Indian accents Ooh. too. Oh my God. And I bet is... the way that they say that is so pretty. Also, like, saris. Like, yeah. Indian clothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop. Indian, like, women are gorgeous. Too. Oh, my God. Oh, my like, gosh. Just beautiful. Indian weddings. Oh, don't even. Don't even. It's just absent. Like, all of it. Like, yeah. the, the, the look, the traditions. Oh, my the, God. The celebration of it all. The colors. If you listener and maddie i'm going to show you after this mm-hmm. if you know the makeup guru nabella i don't actually know how to pronounce her name i think it's nabella noor um she's indian and she had like a fusion wedding or like oh, two gosh. weddings or something yeah and um my cousin who's a photographer photographed her wedding oh yeah Oh man, oh. I want to see it. I Indian weddings so oh. gorgeous. God, I can't. She looked so beautiful. Her outfits were so beautiful. Oh my god, it was it was just stunning. Anyways, just okay. have to throw that out there. Um, okay, there was there was a courtesan of noble bearing and extraordinary beauty. Her name was Vasavarata. Oh my god. In the same city was a youth named Upagupta. Okay, love this. No, I love them. Who though only a perfumer's son was perpetually rooting about in the regions of divine knowledge oh and excelled at occult learning okay okay he's a friend of the pod everyone who saw him thought that he was splendidly beautiful okay therefore vasavarata came curious to meet him she sent her serving girl with a message for upagupta when her maid returned, Vasavarata said, Dear child, have you robbed that simple perfumer's son? You bring back so many perfumes. Dear mistress, said the girl, Cute. Upagupta is surely the most handsome man in the world. He is clever and charming. He mm-hmm. asked me to bring mm-hmm. these perfumes to you as gifts and to Ooh. apologize on his behalf, but he is certain the time is not yet right for you to meet him. Oh. Okay. 
Okay, well, he's okay. We'll he's playing I the think game. He's playing game. Vasavarata's interest was piqued, and she developed a firm longing for uh-huh. Upaka. Don't hate the Gupta. player, hate the game. <laughs> Indeed, she felt herself truly to be in love with a youth as yet unmet. That's all it took. Mm-hmm. Apparently. She sent her maid again to announce that Vasavarata would be coming on such and such a night to... I love that it says such and such a night. Yeah. <clears throat> My lady will be coming here on such and such, such, such a, a night. night to... Oh? Make love to Ubagupta. Oh! oh! <clears throat> My lady will be coming here on to, such and such a night to, to bang your brains world, boy! <laughs> Lube it up! Once more, the maid returned with starry eyes and handed over to the courtesan <laughs> 20 pieces of gold and Upagupta's message. It is not yet time that we should meet. Boy, what else do you want? I was going to say, it's a, the, is she fucking him? Yeah. Is that the maid? Mm. Or he's just fucking other people. Mm. It's like, you can't come here like this month. <laughs> right? Is he like not as hot as he made himself seem i don't know but the maid's like and so yeah but he's like i'll pay i'll give you a couple extra coins to lie yeah maybe he's like i gotta like work out and stuff before she comes here you gotta give me some time maybe yeah (laughs) maybe my my barber's on vacation (laughs) like like, she can't i gotta get this cleaned up yeah (laughs) um dear child said vasavarata to her maid Upagupta must have heard somehow that I am the nation's most costly courtesan, and as an honest man, he lacks the 500 pieces of gold. Hurry, go tell him never to worry about this amount, for I seek only to pursue pleasure with him. Oh my god, don't even pay me! I just won't write it! Oh my god! I am like... I don't think we've ever read a folktale that even, like, makes a reference to sex. No. This is new for us. This is nice. This is Love this it. is so yeah. refreshing. I could have never Yeah, wow. Folk Thanks, tales. India. Here we go. Yeah. Thank you, India. We yeah, needed we, appreciate you. we needed some some spice. There's a little spice in here. But when the maid returned, Upagupta had reassured his feelings that the time was not right for them to meet. Some while later, a carav caravaner a carav caravaneer. Okay. Am I okay? I, I'm not going to know. Caravaneer. Caravaneer. Okay, yeah. Some while later, a caravaneer came up from the north country to sell 500 horses, all of them strong and swift. Having gained a trunk of gold from his sales, he then asked, Who's the best courtesan of your city? Yeah. God, buddy. if I was Vasavadad, I'd be like, My confidence would be so down. Like, it. it you are you saying that like you don't right? have sex with me? yeah no see i would Why? at this point i would just be offended it oh yeah be cute anymore no. and also i don't like games so i'd be like ugh, i oh would have lost God. interest like never fucking mind yeah like yeah. you're supposed to be like obsessed, obsessed with, with me. me i'm not doing this yeah i'm not playing i'm this fucking game. boss of a daughter i don't have to do I, this anyway. yeah i could get literally I anybody had a literal line outside yeah <laughs> so um he was told that Vasavarata was the finest courtesan not only of the city, but of the nation. Yes, girl. Oh, she's the finest. And don't be begging this man. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know for sure if he's hot. No. He gathered together 500 pieces of gold. But more than that, he selected an array of excellent presents and set out for the house of Vasavarata. Nice. Messengers arrived to sell to tell the courtesan of the carib veneer why can't i say this word I, caravan ear caravan ear 
caravaneer. Caravaner? Caravan. The caravaner. A, a dude who, who caravans. Yes, yeah. <laughs> who would soon arrive with gifts and gold. Vasavadatta informed her client of the moment that he must leave immediately. He was a route. Oh. Oh. Her client, her client that she currently had with her at that moment. Oh, nice. That oh, he okay. must leave immediately. He was a rowdy, unpleasant young man, but as the son of a guild master, he was spoiled, rich, full of himself, and accustomed to having his way. Blech. He refused to be dismissed. Okay. So Vasavadatta gave a shrill whistle, which called into her house the seven armed maidens. Oh my god! Who people call the heavenly demonesses. Shut the fuck up. I'm obsessed I'm with this sorry. story. She's trying to kick this man out so she can make better money. And he's refusing. So she goes and whistles. And seven fucking heavenly demonesses come in. Oh my god. They beat the guildmaster's son black and blue and threw him in a cesspool. Oh my god! And then threw him in a pile of shit. I am upset. You know they're wearing sexy stuff too. Oh my I god. want like that, like they're dripping, so cool. like chainmail and stuff. Oh, you know. Yeah. Oh my god! They're so hot. They. Oh, he lay in it a long time, unable to climb out. Eh. All the while forming plans of vengeance. Uh oh, that's gonna come back. Probably. This is why you always kill him. Yep. Double tap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the relatives. <laughs> Wholesome advice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> by Maddie and Emily. <laughs> yep, it's a, this is the advice we give. <laughs> when the relatives of the guildmaster's son learned of his mistreatment by a courtesan, they pressured the governor on the youth's behalf. In response, the governor... Oh, oh God, what? Sent soldiers to... Okay, okay, Emily, get your hand off of your <laughs> mouth. Oh, fuck. The boss of Anata's house. Okay. Oh my god, no. What? Does the dog die? <laughs> Is it the equivalent of the dog, dog dying? Yes. No. No. I don't want to know. Should we not do it? I don't like your face. What's your face? I don't they, like it. They cut off her hands, feet, nose, and ears and threw her into the cremation grounds. There she lay in her blood, attended by her weeping serving maid. The news spread swiftly, and Upagupta heard of it. He said to himself, she sought me for sensual purposes, but now her hands, feet, nose, and ears have been cut off. She has lost pride, passion, and joy. Now is the moment to discover her true nature? What is happening? I have, we have to keep reading. I have to I was know gonna what say, happens. I really, we have pages. We have oh, okay. one and a half pages. That actually gives me a lot of hope. That something because could like, come, like, is someone magical? Is there a oh god no. who is going to come save I, like, her? really, 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 really liked oh god, this. And oh now god. I really, no. really, really, really this don't like this. switched real fast for me. Okay. But it, it has potential to come back. Yeah. Right? It, there, there's a page. There's page pages. <gasps> oh god. Okay. Okay. Um, oh my god. When Vasavadatta's maid saw the handsome youth coming toward the cremation ground, she told her suffering mistress, Upagupta, to whom you send me time and again, is drawing near. Quickly, said Vasavadatta, gather up my hands, feet, nose, and ears. Oh my And place them where they belong <gasps> about my body and cover me with a gown. Oh my god. I This is some shit, dude. I, I, 
Okay. Oh, wow. I've got to <sighs> be strong. Am I okay? Uh, Do uh, I look okay? <laughs> I don't feel like um, I'm okay either. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Upagupta came and sat down beside her in the smoky cemetery. Vasavadatta asked him, have you come at last out of passion and desire? But here I am on the ground, laying in my blood, aff- afflicted and suffering. Whoa. Many times, I know it's going to happen again. Many times I sent for you and you sent word back telling me, sister, it is not yet time for us to meet. Today I'm not so well disposed to sensual pleasures. Why have you waited until my luster is gone? And Upagupta said, how could I, seeking the road away from the cycle of rebirths, come to you for pleasure? This is killing me. <laughs> this is so much anticipation. Hey, fuck. I'm going to make you reread that last one. Sorry. That's okay. What he said? Yeah. Upagupta said, How could I, seeking the road away from the cycle of rebirths, come to you for pleasure? Now sharp swords have cut from you all vanity and pleasure. I come not with desire, but with compassion. Oh, God. Is it? Okay. Wait. I'm, I'm, I'm back. It brought I'm back, me back. I'm back. I wish to know your intrinsic nature. Intrinsic, sorry, nature. Vasavadatta said, I would like for you to have seen this body of mine when it was still a shining lotus, bedecked in silks and jewelry. How ashamed I am that you should see me instead, plastered with blood and funeral ashes. Am I not a fearful thing that once gave only joy and play and wonder? Oh my I God. see nothing fearful in you, said Upagupta. Okay, okay. When you were covered in ornaments and excelled in all arts conducive to pleasure, none could see who you were. Now, free from trappings, your true form may be seen, and I think you are beautiful. Oh, I <laughs> am unwell. <laughs> What the fuck is this whole tale? I cannot understand that people love gross flesh, but it is, for it is but a living carcass. Why are people so attached to sinew blood and skin? When we observe those things that are beautiful on the outside, we know nothing of the inner being. They may well be corrupt and horrible, but a corpse that is obviously vile, what false sentiment need we suppress? I don't love that he called her obviously vile, but okay. Yeah, he, he, whatever he said I, I in the get, very beginning, too, right. I was kind of like, Ooh. yeah, I didn't love it, but okay. But, like, I, I get the, the point he's trying to make. Yeah. Therefore, we can see that part, which was always good. Truly, in my father's trade, I have learned that a rich perfume can hide a foul odor. What a Ooh. good metaphor. Damn, man. When tears of sorrow wash away falsity, what remains is tr- is the truth of our lives. A petrucent body that we once cherished to no end but death. Having given up desire, we lose also weariness, sadness, and suffering. We come to the tranquil center of the cosmic yoni, the pure light of nirvana. Whoa. Yeah, damn. I hope she's like tourniqueted or something. Like, this is a yeah. big speech to be bleeding through, but wow. <laughs> as that's to beautiful. Have your nose chopped off during. Yeah. yeah. Hearing these words and many others in their night long discourse. Oh, they talked all night. Wow, oh, she's got to be in so much pain. So much pain. Vasavarata also came to be disgusted by the realm of desire. She gained a pure understanding of truth, receiving the fruits of a non returner's wisdom an hour before dawn she said you've shown me the hidden road away from the heavily traveled path to the lower states of being until now the light has been kept from me yoked as i have been to pleasures and to sorrows 
The meritorious realm is opening up to me. I can see the center of the cosmic yoni, momentarily blessed, enlightened saint. I will leave your company. Glad I am to know that you will not weep for me, knowing as you do that my refuge is dazzling as a freshly opened lotus. Uh, I... Oh my god. Soon thereafter, Vasavarata arrived among the deities. She died. Yeah. The whole of the country saw the heavens open up to receive her pl- splendid spirit oh my god upagupta came among them with the pieces of her body to which the people paid homage she was canonized as the courtesan of the noble truth whereas her persecutors were forgotten and few knew even of the splendid deed of the seven heavenly demonesses who'd served basavadatta a few days after their mistresses escaped to heaven the seven demonesses demonesses broke into the house of the guild master by night clubbing the whole family to death sparing only the guild master's son who lived many years without his ears nose feet or hands then was reborn to the lower realm experiencing further torments what that was that was like the heaviest fucking folk tale that usually guy didn't so even do anything. That was just chill. Like, usually the they're so it's European ones are so like whimsical and trippy with weird endings. That was a happy ending. Uh, was it? I I was an ending. I'm kind of. It's also kind of a beginning. It that was a lot. A little bit slut shamey. It did get a little, it did get a little, <laughs> a little slut shamey there um, for a bit. Um, I, I, uh, wow. <clears throat> um, so that was Maple Tale today. Okay. You're welcome. Um, here's mine. And off to that start. Holy Whoa. shit, dude. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I, I have, Wow, I have a Native American folktale. Great, okay. <clears throat> um, Remind me, do they usually end happily? I can't remember. I, these ones, like, I I don't know if they end happily. They, they, I think they just kind of end, and you're like, hmm. Huh. Okay, yeah. yeah. They're thinkers. I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're kind of thinkers. Yeah, it's a, again, that really kind of, like, fucked me. I don't remember anything ending like that. Yeah. These ones end in, like, a, oh, you know, and, like, there's a clear moral. They don't end love in, that. like, a what the fuck Okay, ending. yep, yep, yep. Okay, I so. love that. I love when, because <clears throat> sometimes there's some that it's just, like, huh? What the fuck was that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this one is called The Origin of the Petrified Forest. Cool. Um, I had to ask Emily what that meant, and she said that it's when trees are so old that they turn into stone. I think, yeah, they have to be under, like, the exact right conditions. But, yeah, like, you know, petrified. petrified Oh, yeah, they're embedded in basalt fossilized remains of prehistoric animals have been found in them. Um, Anyways, this this is from Central Washington State. (gasps) So it's, like, right there. Fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, so so cool. uh Uh-huh. Um, you know it's got animals in it because it's shmaddy. Yeah. Here we go. In the days of Coyote, the raccoon family lived along the Columbia River. Yay. Below where Rock Island Dam is now. Perfect. In the family were seven beautiful sisters. When Coyote saw them, he wanted to marry one of them. Wait, of the raccoons? Yeah. So okay. He, so he asked Father Raccoon if he could have one of his beautiful daughters for his wife. <laughs> okay. It's a very sweet. So cute. A very endearing. We're off to a good start. Yeah. 
Um, we need all our daughters, answered Father Raccoon. Off to an excellent start. Mm-hmm. We need to bring... We need them to bring in sagebrush for our fires. We cannot spare even one of them. Okay, fair enough. I was hoping it was because he loved them, but fair enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will see that you have firewood, said Coyote. Oh. Let me marry one of your girls, and I will send you all the wood that you need. Two? Okay. Yeah, okay. I will talk it over with the girls when they come home from the sagebrush, the father promised. Oh, raccoon girls. <laughs> he, told his, he told his daughters that Coyote wanted one of them for his wife, and all night the girls tried to make up their minds which it should be. Coyote was so humbly that no one wanted to marry him. <gasps> but the raccoon sisters did not want to stop carrying the, the, the sagebrush. They liked their job. Oh. Are you imagining all of them with little bows on their heads? Oh, wait. Sorry. They did want to stop Oh, they did. The okay, yeah. And yes, I am. Different colors. Yeah, all different colors. Um, mm-hmm. The colors match their but personalities. But now they're going to like marry him for the work they just don't want to do the sagebrush and he's he's a sugar daddy he's gonna be a sugar daddy i hope so yeah he has wood for days (laughs) so that much we know yeah he's got the currency that they're looking for yeah they're cute um this is a sugar daddy sugar baby situation you know maybe they'll learn to love him yeah um half the night coyote tried to make up his mind which of the seven he wanted to marry Mm mm-hmm that. He knew he wanted the prettiest one, mm. but they were all very pretty. Okay. Uh, with bright eyes, long eyelashes, and soft fur. <laughs> so cute. The bright eyes, long eyelashes, and soft fur. <laughs> what a soft fur. They're so beautiful. At last, he decided to marry all seven of them. No. Yep, and he used his powers in the second half of the night to make all seven of them want to go with him. No. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Yeah. Coyote What's his powers? powers? What? Like a raccoon no. seductress powers? <laughs> we, what? I don't oh, know. No. They went with him. The next morning, where we're in the next morning, a great pile of driftwood was washed up on the shore near the camp of the raccoons. So the fathers let all of his daughters go along with Coyote. What? Sorry? Okay, unless he decided to marry all seven of them, and he used his powers the second half of the night to make all seven of them, oh, want to go with him. So, like, all seven of them are like, okay, yeah, he talked us into it. Oh, So now it's the next morning, a pile of driftwood shows up, um, and the father's like, okay, daughters, go along with Coyote, I guess. Um, I, okay, I guess the driftwood's coming into play. I don't know. We'll okay. see. They soon wanted to go back home, but they traveled with Coyote until they were sure there was enough firewood to last a long time. Okay. Oh, he sent the driftwood to be like, hey, look, here's the firewood I promised you. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yep. We're doing great. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, that first one, like, really fucked me, and I'm, you know, we're this, yeah, we're trying. That yeah. first story, man, that was a lot. As they traveled upriver, Coyote broke off trees and sent them down towards Raccoon. He pushed fallen logs into the river and sent them down as driftwood. He made an eddy in the river so that the logs would be washed in near the ra- Raccoon's camp. He's keeping his word here. Yeah, good for him. He planted a new forest on the west bank of the river so there would be more green wood when the dry wood was all used up. Coyote kept That's his promise. That's smart. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. By this time, the girls were so much homesick that they bade Coyote, begged Coyote to take them home for a while. So they started back. And when they got there, they found great piles of driftwood. Yay! And they saw the new forest growing near the camp. 
Yay! They knew that they would not have to carry sagebrush again, so they plotted against Coyote. No! <gasps> no! They told him that they wanted to stay home and that they didn't want to go with him again. Coyote became very angry because the girls had tricked him. He scolded and scolded, and then he placed a curse on the raccoon family. Oh. But they did not know about the curse for three years. Oh. This is a secret curse. (laughs) Oh, no. Although the first two winters were cold, the raccoons had plenty of firewood. The girls had salmon bakes and clam bakes and used the driftwood whenever they wanted a fire. That's adorable. I want a fucking clam bake. From a raccoon? Yeah, From a clan of raccoon sisters? Are yeah, you kidding? Adorable. Raccoon. I want. But the third year, the coyote came and told them that the curse he had put upon them, you're all going to die this winter. <gasps> Why let them live two more weeks? so straight. I just know. like bring them even further up just to bring them back down, I guess. Yeah. Like, you, you, oh, life shit, is. dude. He's not done. You will all die this winter. All your people who were buried here will someday be dug out. The people digging them will dig out your wood pile. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Then he changed the new forest to rocks. Oh. He made his powers and caused a very bad winter. He made his powers and caused a very bad winter. That's what it said. Okay. Not your fault. Okay. Much snow fell. Mm. When spring came... And the melted snow rushed down the mountain streams. A big flood overflowed the river. And the pile of driftwood near the raccoon's camp camp dammed up the water and made the river overflow. The great flood of water knocked down the stone trees. When the flood water left, the stone trees were buried underneath sand and soil and rocks. And many animals were buried with them. The trees and the bones of all animals still lie where coyotes sent the flood. Trees are buried in the rock. Deer, raccoons, cougars, and many animals not seen in our country today lie buried there in this clay. The end. So, okay. But no (laughs) raccoons were married in this folk tale. (laughs) But they did have bright eyes and long eyelashes. And and a bow. A satin bow. A swivel bow. Yeah, that that is a bow. Some had it on a right ear, some had it on left, some had it in the center. And they, yeah, they were getting creative with it. Somehow around a big bushy tail. Yeah. I feel like all of their names like started with like an R. (gasps) Yeah. They all started with the same letter and it probably was an R. They're very cute. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. What you got? (sighs) All right. I am going to read The Golden Touch by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Oh, like uh, Scarlet Letter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scarlet Letter, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yay, ooh, I love feeling smart about books in front of Emily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> baby. Our English literature baby. Um, You know, I, I, when I think of, like, Scarlet Letter, you know what I always think of is Easy A. Yeah, me too. Stone. No, Fucking oh my God, love me that too. Movie. How, and how she tells him, like, this is it. I fake rocked your world last night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm jumping on the bed. Yeah. Oh, my oh. God. God. Yeah. I love her so much. Do, do you like that? Do you smell that? It's not supposed to smell. Is it not? I don't know, but you're not supposed to comment on it. God, I love that movie. Anyways, that okay. Daniel Hawthorne. Yes. <laughs> that, that it smells. Daniel Hawthorne. Okay. And this one's a long one, so this is going to be our last one. Oh, cool. Okay. Once upon a time, there lived a very rich man and a king besides, whose name was Midas. And he had a little daughter whom nobody but myself ever heard of, and whose oh. name I either never knew or have entirely forgotten. 
But fuck, okay. So because I love odd names for little girls, I choose to call her Marigold. <laughs> well, this is fun. What a, okay. What a, what a, like, a relaxed intro. And Nathaniel. Yeah. yeah this, this is, is very cool. spill the mead. It is. This King Midas was fonder of gold than anything else in the world. He valued his royal crown chiefly because it was composed of that precious metal. If he loved anything better or half so well, it was the one little maiden who played so merrily around her father's footstool. Okay. But the more Midas loved his daughter, the more did he desire and seek for wealth. He thought, foolish man, that the best thing that he could possibly do for this dear child would be to bequeath her the immensest pile of yellow glistening coin that had ever been heaped together since the world was made. Oh, nice. Okay. So he's just going to be like... That's why he gets greedier, because he wants it for his baby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you're going to be greedy, at least that's a good reason behind Probably could have, like, given her a name, but gold but yeah. something. Yeah. Mary Gold. Mary Gold. Thus, he gave all his thoughts and all his time to this one purpose. If he ever happened to gaze for an instant at the gold-tinted clouds of sunset, he wished that they were real gold. That he, they could be squeezed safely into his strong box. Whoa. When little Mary Gold ran to meet him... With a bunch of buttercups and dandelions. Baby so girl! He used to say, Popo child, if these flowers were as golden as they look, they'd be worth the plucking. Aww. Aww. Yeah, come on, <laughs> That's a dude. Bummer. Yeah. And yet, in his earlier days, before he was so entirely possessed of this insane desire for riches. Whoa. King Midas had shown a great taste for flowers. He'd planted a garden in which grew the biggest and beautifulest and sweetest roses that any mortal ever saw or smelt. He love a flower, Midas. Let's get back to that Midas. Right? Yeah, it would be like, thank you, my love, for these are beautiful. These are better than gold. Yeah, because they're from you. Yeah. These roses were still growing in the garden, as large, as lovely, and as fragrant as when Midas used to pass whole hours in gazing at them Ugh. and inhaling their perfume. He just has a very addictive personality. I'm he thinking. does, yeah, he does seem to to have that like an obsessive. Sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But now, if he looked at them at all, it was only to calculate how much the garden would be worth if each of the innumerable rose petals were a thin plate of gold. And though he once was fond of music, in spite of an idle story about his ears which were said to resemble those of an ass oh he got big ears is that what they're saying uh, it's an idle story i don't think it's true oh yeah okay the only music for poor midas now was the chink of one coin against another <laughs> at length as people always grow more and more foolish unless they take care to grow wiser and wiser Ooh. That's a good line right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Midas had had got to be so exceedingly unreasonable that he could scarcely bear to see or touch any object that was not gold. He made it his custom, therefore, to pass a large portion of every day in a dark, dreary apartment underground at the basement <laughs> of his palace. Dude. It was here that he kept his wealth. What do you He's a dude. dragon. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he's like a dwarf. Yeah. Under there with the gold. Oh, yeah. Mounds of gold. Uh-huh. This is where the Cave of Wonders came from. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's him. To his... To this dismal hole, for it was a little better than a dungeon, Midas betook himself whenever he wanted to be particularly happy. Here, after carefully locking the door, he would take a bag of gold coin or a gold cup as big as a washbowl or a heavy golden bar or a peck measure of gold dust and bring them from the obscure corners of the room into one bright and narrow sunbeam that fell from the dungeon-like window. He valued the sunbeam for no other reason but that his treasure would not shine without its help. And then he would reckon over the coins 
in the bag, toss up the bar, and catch it as it came down, sift the gold dust through his fingers, look at the funny image of his own face as reflected in the burnished (laughs) circumference of the cup, and whisper to himself, Oh, Midas, rich King Midas, what a happy man art thou. Okay, I need a wellness (laughs) check. Someone go get him. Yeah, he's, oh, man. He's, like, wide-eyed grinning at himself, his morphed face in this gold. No, yeah, he's not all right. He's not all right. But it was laughable to see how the image of his face kept grinning at him out of the polished surface of the (laughs) cup. Oh, my God, oh, my God. It seemed to be aware of his foolish behavior and to have a naughty inclination to make fun of him. Midas called himself a happy man, but felt that he was not yet quite so happy as he might be. You do you think so, sir? <laughs> I also have a feeling. Yeah. yeah, and I am taking a wild guess that Morgold ain't gonna do the trick. Yeah. The very tip-top of enjoyment would never be reached unless the whole world were to become his treasure room and be filled with yellow metal, which should be all his own. Now I need hardly remind such a wise little people as you are. Oh, thank you. Nathan. <laughs> Nathan. Can I call you Nathan? Oh, my God. Oh, okay. We are wise little people. Wow, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> um, that in the old, old times when King Midas was alive, a great many things things came to pass, which we should consider wonderful if they were to happen or in our own day and country. Oh, it was like more magical back then? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And on the other hand, a great many things take place nowadays, which seem not only wonderful to us, but at which the people of old times would have stared their eyes out. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that this Nathaniel, all... if you saw a phone, I think you'd stare your eyes uh, out. For sure. Show me the lie in this. Yep. I think if I sat you down and made you watch Easy A, <laughs> stare your eyes out. You maybe. sure would. Yep. Be like, what have they done? <laughs> what the fuck this, is this? This is uh, not this what is I... This not it. Yeah. yeah. On the whole, I regard our own times as the stranger of the two. But however that may be, I must go on with my story. Okay, thank you, though. That yeah. was nice. That, you know, it makes us feel closer, the it, banter. It really Nathaniel does. Nathaniel yeah, Hawthorne. I love it. I He's my friend. No, yeah. We are buds. He's yeah. the third co-empress. He is. He's co-empress with yeah, us he now. Is. He's a girl's girl. Midas was enjoying himself in his treasure room one day, and as usual, when he perceived a shadow fall over the heaps of gold and looking suddenly up, what should he behold but the figure of a stranger standing in the bright and narrow sunbeam ah it was a young man whoa with a cheerful and ruddy face oh whether it was that the imagination of king midas threw a yellow tinge over everything okay i was gonna say is this guy real but okay or whatever the cause might be he could not help fancying that smile with which the stranger regarded him had a kind of golden radiance in it he wants his teeth. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> know, not. but I like this. But I would be surprised. Yeah. Certainly, although his figure intercepted the sunshine, there was now a brighter gleam upon all the piled up treasure than before. Oh. Even the remotest corners had their share of it and were lighted up when the stranger smiled as with tips of flame and sparks of fire. Wow. <clears throat> As Midas knew that he had carefully turned the key in the lock and that no mortal strength could possibly break into his treasure room, he, of course, concluded that his visitor must be something more than mortal. I mean, duh, yeah. Yeah. Logically. Yeah. (laughs) It is no matter about telling you who he was. In those days, when the earth was comparatively a new affair, it was supposed to be often the resort of beings endowed with supernatural power and who used to interest themselves in the joys and sorrows of men, women, and children, half playfully and half seriously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Midas had met such beings before now and was not sorry to meet one of them again. Yeah, I mean, it is the time that we live in, Yeah, you know? Yeah. The stranger's aspect, indeed, was so good-humored and kindly, if not beneficent, 
that it would have been unreasonable to suspect him of intending any mischief. It was far more probable that he came to do Midas a favor. Okay. And what could that favor be unless to multiply his heaps of treasure? I mean, all of this is, uh, yeah, I the logic the is logical. this. I have not read a, the Scarlet Letter, and now I, I haven't. To, I haven't either. The way this is phrased. No, I know. I, what if it's is... like a different thing? <laughs> Right? Oh my god, this is like Nathaniel Hawthorne that goes to like Florida State. (laughs) (laughs) Just like chilling. Completely different Oh god. The stranger gazed about the room and when his lustrous smile had glistened upon all the golden objects that were there, he turned again to Midas. You are a wealthy man, friend Midas, he observed. I doubt whether any other four walls on earth contain so much gold as you have contrived to pile up in this room. Mm -hmm. I've done pretty well. Pretty well answered Midas in a discontented tone. But after all, it is but a trifle when you consider that it has taken me my whole life to get it together. If one could live a thousand years, he might have time to grow rich. What? exclaimed the stranger. Then you are not satisfied. Midas shook his head. And pray, what would satisfy you? asked the stranger. Merely for the curiosity of the thing, I should be glad to know. Midas paused and meditated. He felt a great presentiment... sentiment that his stranger with such a golden luster and his good-humored smile had come hither with both the power and the purpose of gratifying his utmost which wishes now therefore was the fortunate moment when he had but to speak and obtain whatever possible or seemingly impossible thing it might come into his head to ask so he thought and thought and thought and heaped up one golden mountain upon another in his imagination without being able to imagine them big enough at last a bright idea occurred to king midas it seemed really as bright as the glistening metal which he loved so much. Raising his head, he looked the lustrous stranger in the face. Well, Midas, observed the visitor, I see you have at length hit upon something that will satisfy you. Tell me your wish. It is only this, replied Midas. I am weary of collecting my treasures with so much trouble, and beholding the heap so diminutive. After I have done my best, I wish everything that I touch to be changed to gold. The stranger's smile grew so very broad that it seemed to fill the room like an Ooh. outburst of the sun gleaming I into love that. Oh yeah, I that love that. Off-putting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gleaming into a shadowy dell where the yellow autumnal leaves for so looked the lumps and particles of gold lie strewn in the glow of light. The golden touch, exclaimed he, you certainly deserve credit, friend Midas, for striking out so brilliant a conception. But you are quite sure that this will satisfy you. How could it fail? asked Midas. And will you never regret the possession of it? What could induce me? asked Midas. I ask nothing else to render me perfectly happy. Be it as you wish, then, replied the stranger, waving his hand in token of farewell. Tomorrow, at sunrise, you will find yourself gifted with the golden touch. Midas. Yeah. Midas, 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 yeah, Midas, my Midas. This... We did not think this through, did we now, no, This is a terrible idea. You can't ever hug your daughter again no. with your bare hands. No. You can't, like, you can't hold your penis to pee. You're flopping that thing. <laughs> You're just, yeah, it's not... He, he can touch himself, right? I don't know. Uh-oh. Can he? Uh-oh. That is your hands touching something. Does that count? You're going to turn it gold. Uh-oh. Which he wouldn't care. He wouldn't but, care, apparently. I think it would. he'd be smiling in death to be turned to gold. The figure of the stranger then became exceedingly bright, and Midas involuntarily closed his eyes. On opening them again, he beheld only one yellow sunbeam in the room, and all around him the glistening of the precious metal which he had spent his life in hoarded up. 
hoarding up. Whether Midas slept as usual that night, the story does not say. Asleep or awake, however, his mind was probably in the state of a child's to whom a beautiful new plaything has been promised in the morning. At any rate, day had hardly peeped over the hills when King Midas was brought awake and stretching his arms out of bed began to touch the objects that were within reach. (laughs) Just poke, poke, poke. Oh my gosh, everything. Also, like... Gold's heavy. Your palace is going to fall apart. No, I know. This was a stupid fucking Yeah, it's heavy and it's soft. Yeah. Like, is it just that you touch with your hands or any part of you? What are you going to eat? What are you doing? This was dumb. People are going to have to feed you and they're going to have to be aware. Or, I guess, gloves. And they're going to be golden gloves. That's the other thing. Like, when he touches it, does it turn hard? Yeah. Like, is it... Inflexible, solid gold. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah. Nathaniel. We need to know... Because, like, yeah, you're going to turn your blankets gold. Like, if, if he puts on gloves, are they going to turn into solid gold? Solid now gold, he can't yeah. move them, and yeah. now his hands are trapped? I don't know. Ooh, I hate that. Yeah. Ooh, I hate yeah. that. Um, <clears throat> he was anxious to prove whether the golden touch had really come, according to the stranger's promise. So he laid his fingers on a chair by the bedside and on various other things, but was grievously disappointed to perceive that they remained of exactly the same substance as before. Ooh, okay. Indeed, he felt very much afraid that he had only dreamed about the lustrous stranger, or else that the latter had been making a game of him. And what a miserable affair would it be, if, after all his hopes, Midas must content himself with what little gold he could scrape together by ordinary means, instead of creating it by touch. All this while, it was only the gray of the morning, but with a streak of brightness along the edge of the sky, he did say at sunrise, you ding dong. Yeah, I was going to say, what? Yeah, that, okay. He didn't even wake up. Okay, so it did work. So, yeah, Jesus. he's just being a ding dong. Um, where Midas could not see it. He lay in a very dis- disconsolate, disconsolate. So many big words lately. I'm feeling real dumb today. He lay in a very disconsolate mood, regretting the downfall of his hopes and getting and kept growing sadder and sadder until the earliest sunbeam shone through the window and gilded the ceiling over his head. It seemed to Midas that this bright yellow sunbeam was reflected in rather a singular way on the white covering of the bed. Looking more closely, what was his astonishment and delight when he found that this linen fabric has had been transmuted to what seemed to be a woven texture of okay. the purest and brightest gold. Okay. Okay. There we go. So it is there still it a is. fabric. Yeah. Okay. Cool, okay. Cool. Okay. The golden touch had come to him with the first sunbeam. Because I'm like, if he touches water. I was going like, to say. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, does it turn into, if you like touch the ocean. Who? Uh-oh. Can I pee? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you go get your golden touch. Midas started up in a kind of joyful frenzy and ran about the room, grasping at everything that had happened to be in his way. He seized one of the bedposts, and it became immediately a fluted golden pillar. He pulled aside a a window curtain in order to admit a clear spectacle of the wonders which he was performing, and the tassel grew heavy in his hand, a mass of gold. Okay, so now now I'm feeling like it is solid gold. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. He took up a book from the table. At his first touch, it assumed the appearance of such a splendidly bound in gilt-edged volume as one often meets with nowadays. But on running his fingers through the leaves, behold, it was a bundle of thin golden plates in which all the wisdom of the book had grown illegible. Ooh, that's Mm, not good. Yeah. He hurriedly put on his clothes. And was enraptured to see himself in a magnificent suit of gold cloth. Okay. Oh, which retained its flexibility and softness. Okay, so cloth seems to stay clothy. Okay, yep. Rope, 
maybe not. Yeah, everything else seems to go solid. Yeah. Paper goes solid. Everything else goes solid. Yes. It, it does say it did burden him with a little of its weight. Okay. His clothes. He drew out his handkerchief, which little Mary Gold had hemmed for him. No. It was likewise gold, with the dear child's neat and pretty stitches running all along the border in gold thread. Somehow or other, this last transformation did not quite please King Midas. What? He would rather that his little daughter's handiwork should have remained just the same as when she climbed his knee and put it into his hand. Okay, that's cute. Not how this works, but that's cute. Yeah, like, yeah, you just thought about that, bro. Yeah, that's cute where that's where your first regret is, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Aw, I didn't want this goal. Yeah, just just everything else. But yeah, that's not how it works. But it was not worthwhile to vex himself about a trifle. Midas now took his spectacles from his pocket and put them on his nose in order that he might see more distinctly what he was about. In those days, spectacles for common people had not been invented, but were already worn by kings. Else, how could Midas have had any? Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just so you know, not everyone had spectacles back then. Kings did, though, because Midas had them and he's a king. So. So obviously, (laughs) to his great perplexity, however, excellent as the glasses were, he discovered that he could not possibly see through them. Uh Uh-oh. But this was the most natural thing in the world, for on taking them off, the transparent crystal turned out to be plates of yellow metal, and of course were worthless as spectacles, though valuable as gold. It struck Midas as rather inconvenient that, with all his wealth, he could never again be rich enough to own a pair of serviceable spectacles. Gloves? Yeah. Wear, Wear gloves. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It is no great matter, nevertheless, said he to himself very philosophically. <laughs> we cannot expect any any great good without its being accomplished, accompanied with some small inconvenience. Fair All enough. Right. Yeah, okay. The gold yes. touch is worth the sacrifice of a pair of spectacles, at least, if not of everyone's very eyesight. Okay. Uh-oh. Well... Uh oh. Yeah. My own eyes will serve for ordinary purposes, and little Marigold will soon be old enough to read to me. Oh. Okay. Well, okay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, she's going to have to read for you forever. Yeah. Wise King Midas was so exalted by his good fortune that the palace seemed not sufficiently spacious to contain him. He therefore went downstairs and smiled on observing that the balustrade of the staircase came a bar of burnished gold. As his hand passed over it in his descent, he lifted the door latch. It was brass only a moment ago, but golden when his fingers quitted it. That is how it works. Yep. (laughs) And emerged into the garden. Here, as it happened, he found a great number of beautiful roses in full bloom and others in all the stages of lovely bud and blossom. Oh, I love a rosebud. Love a rosebud. Oh, can you imagine the smell? Oh my god. Very delicious was their fragrance in the morning breeze. Uh, What a dream. Their delicate blush was one of the fairest sights in the world. So gentle, so modest, and so full of sweet tranquility did those roses seem to be. Now it's just going to smell like metal. Their delicate blush. Yeah. Stop! And he's going to fucking ruin it. He's going to fucking ruin it. But Midas knew a way to make them far more precious according to his way of thinking. I love... Thank you, Nathaniel, for putting that in there according to his way of thinking. Yeah. (laughs) Than the roses had ever been before. So he took great pains in going from bush to bush and exercised his magic touch most... (sighs) Indefatigably? Indefatigably. I don't know. Until every individual flower and bud, and even the worms at the heart of some of them, were changed to gold. Not the worms. Yeah, they're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A cute little worm mouth just still open, like, 
I'm imagining the worm from SpongeBob. Sponge yeah. Yeah. It's big. It's hay. It's pink. <laughs> the Alaskan blue worm. God. Uh, SpongeBob, that's not my tail. It's a paperclip and a piece of string. <laughs> no, it's not. It's your tail. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. I love that. Okay. Anyways. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh my god and oh at the end his uh <laughs> i love that's one of like the best spongebob episodes in my opinion i love that one so much okay. my favorite spongebob episode of all time is shanghai, shanghai. oh my god oh, shanghai, shanghai is so good dude. you're wearing out the elastic <laughs> it seems we've reached an impasse the pink one is right That'll do. Don't worry, Captain. We'll buff out those scratches. <laughs> I have four biscuits, then I ate one. Now I only have three. <laughs> this copyright? I probably. <laughs> now we're gonna watch SpongeBob after this. Uh, Are we yeah. gonna go live watching SpongeBob? Sometime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. God. By the time this good work was completed, King Midas was summoned to breakfast, and as the morning air had given him an excellent appetite, he made haste back to the palace. You idiot, Midas. God, fuck. What was usually a king's breakfast in the days of Midas, I really do not know and cannot stop now to investigate. Okay, well, that's true. So cash. I love him. <laughs> I love him too. Like, listen, yeah. I don't have the time to go figure it out. No. Like, just, I don't fucking he's going to eat what he ate. It was probably fucking potatoes yeah, or like, like eggs or sausages whatever. or something. Am I the author? Is this my story? Can I fade <laughs> yeah. it up? Yes. It listen, doesn't really matter. Get fucked. I'm Nathaniel. Yep. Uh, to the best of my belief, however, on this particular morning, the breakfast considered a, consisted of hotcakes, some nice little brook trout, roasted potatoes, fresh boiled eggs, and coffee. Oh, okay. So he's going to take a sure. stab at it. All right. Yep. <laughs> the, it, I like okay. his guess. Yeah. For King Midas himself and a bowl of bread milk for his daughter Marigold. She doesn't want the potatoes and the eggs and the coffee and the trout and the hotcakes. No, she's not, I feel you like know. Marigold wants hotcakes. Oh, she for with, sure wants a hot with some molasses. On she there. was waiting for him to wake up. She had some pop tarts and yeah, she's okay. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. At all events, this is a this is a breakfast fit to set before a king. And whether he had it or not, King Midas could not have had a better. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Little Marigold had not yet made her appearance. Her father ordered her to be called, and sitting himself at the table, awaited the child's coming in order to begin his own breakfast. Cue. To do Midas justice, he really loved his daughter and loved her so much the more this morning on account of the good fortune which had befallen him. It was not a great while before he heard her coming along the passageway, crying bitterly. Oh, baby. This circumstance surprised him because oh. Marigold was one of the cheerfulest little people whom you would oh. see in a summer's day. The cheerfulest little people. Whom you would see in a summer's day. Okay. And... Hardly shed a thimbleful of tears in a twelve month. In a twelve month, baby girl. Happy, happy girl. Yeah, no. When Midas heard her sobs, he determined to put little Marigold into better spirits by an agreeable surprise. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. leaning across the table, he touched his daughter's bowl, which was a china one with pretty figures all around it, and transmuted it to gleaming gold. Oh, I feel like Marigold maybe liked her little bowl. I kind of feel like yeah, Marigold is not wired this way. No, I feel like nobody is. Yeah. Meanwhile, Marigold slowly and dis. This consolately opened the door and showed herself 
with her apron at her eyes, still sobbing as if her heart would break. Sweet, lug her little apron up and her big ol' watery eyes poking out. So cool. And listen to what Dad says. Okay, how now, my little lady? (laughs) Cried Midas. Oh my God. How now, my little lady? Oh, I'm gonna start saying that to my daughter. You're gonna start saying that to your dog. Yeah. How now, my little lady? lady, With her big eyes. Pray, what is the matter with you this bright morning? (sighs) Marigold, without taking the apron from her eyes, held out her hand, in which was one of the roses which Midas had so recently transmuted. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You did this. Beautiful, exclaimed her father. And what is there in this magnificent golden rose to make you cry? Oh, dear father, answered the child as well as her sobs would let her. Oh, no. <laughs> She's like, dear father. Yeah. I know. The, little, the little gasps. And the little, little tiny voice, like little kid voice. That was fun. <laughs> what was that? Did that just yeet right <laughs> off of there? Yeah, I was just like holding the page. And we like went to like turn the page and it literally just like broke, broke off. In my hand. It didn't rip. It no. like broke. Yeah, it literally that that was page broke. some weird shit. Uh, oh, that is very odd. Yeah, keep this that. This is a very old book, so. Keep I just be a little more That's careful. Is that that broke. That broke off. That is very strange. Okay. okay. Um, it is not beautiful, but the ugliest flower that ever grew. No, sweet girl. As soon as I was dressed, I ran into the garden to gather some roses for you because I know you like them. <laughs> and like them the better when gathered by your little daughter. Oh my god! Oh, dear, dear me, what do you think has happened? Such a misfortune. All the beautiful roses that smelled so sweetly and had so many lovely blushes are blighted and blushes. spoiled. They are grown quite yellow, as you see this one, and have no longer any fragrance. What can have been the matter with them? Oh my god, Marigold! Sweet girl! Oh, my little girl, pray don't cry about it, said Midas, who was ashamed to confess that he himself had wrought the change which so greatly afflicted her. Sit down and eat your bread and milk. You will find it easy enough to exchange a golden rose like that, which will last hundreds of years, for an ordinary one which would wither in a day. I don't care for such roses as this, cried Marigold, tossing it contemptuously away. It has no smell, and the hard petals prick my nose. Yeah, no, I try to smell it to yeah, not even ow. get a smell, and it yeah, hurts. And it hurts. And it's, yeah, no I blushes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the child now sat down to the table, but was so occupied with her grief for the blighted roses that she did not even notice the wonderful transmutation of her china bowl. Perhaps this was all the better, for Marigold was accustomed to take pleasure in looking at the queer figures. Midas, the fuck? Yeah, know your daughter. Good, yeah. And strange trees and houses that were painted on the circumference of the bowl, and these ornaments were now entirely lost in the yellow hue of the metal. <clears throat> Midas, meanwhile, had poured out a cup of coffee, and as a matter of course, the coffee pot... Whatever metal it may have been when he took it up was gold when he set it down. He thought to himself that it was rather an extravagant style of splendor and a king of his simple habits to breakfast off his service of gold and began to be puzzled with the difficulty of keeping his treasure safe. The cupboard in the kitchen would no longer be a secure place of deposit for articles so valuable as golden bowls and coffee pots. Oh my God, who fucking cares, Midas? Yeah, because it's, you can you just can... make more. Oh, <clears throat> Midas, your priorities are skewed, yeah. bro. Admit these thoughts, he lifted a spoonful of coffee to his lips and, sipping it, was astonished to perceive that the instant his lips touched the liquid, it became molten gold, and the next moment hardened into a lump. (laughs) 
Ha! Is this is just now coming up? Okay. Yeah, is he going to starve to death? Is he going to dehydrate yeah, to death? I guess. Uh, exclaimed Midas, rather aghast. What is the matter, father? Asked little Marigold, gazing at him with the tears still standing in her Love eyes. Love bug. Nothing, child, nothing, said Midas. Eat your milk before it gets quite cold. Can't eat milk, Midas. No, you can't. Dumbass. That's fucking gross. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god! The just the phrase "eat your milk" makes me gross. want to. Oh. So he took one of the nice little trouts on his plate, and by the way of experiment, touched its tail with its finger. Oh my god! What do you think is going to yeah, happen, you idiot? Bruv. <clears throat> to his horror, it was immediately transmuted from an ad- admirably fried brook trout into a goldfish though not one of those goldfishes which people often keep in glass globes as ornaments for the parlor oh okay i thought that it was <laughs> i thought that it turned into just like a little gold oh, okay. like thank you fish. Yes. thanks so nathaniel yeah no but it was <laughs> no he no. boop us on the nose and go no, no. <laughs> but it was really a metallic fish and looked as if it had been very cunningly made by the nicest goldsmith in the world its little bones were now golden wires. Its fins and tail were thin plates of gold, and there were the marks of the fork in it, and all the delicate, frothy appearances of a nicely fried fish exactly imitated in metal. A very pretty piece of work, as you might suppose. Only King Midas, just at that moment, would much rather have had a real trout in his dish than this elaborate and valuable imitation of one. I kind of want some fish sticks. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Ooh, mm-hmm. some tartar sauce, baby. Oh my god, tartar sauce. Oh, yum. I don't quite see, thought he to himself, how I'm going to get any breakfast. He, he took one of the smoking hot cakes and had scarcely broken it when, to his cruel mortification, though a moment before it had been of the whitest wheat, had assumed the yellow hue of Indian meal. Yeah, we know. You're so dumb. Yeah. To say the truth, it, if it had really been in a hot Indian cake, Midas would have prized it a good deal more than he did now, with its solidity and increased weight made him too bitterly sensible that it was gold. Almost in despair, he helped himself to a boiled egg, which immediately underwent a change. Oh my god, no way, did it? Like, just you try every fork. other food. Yeah, why don't you keep change. doing what he's you're doing? Just gonna keep, she's going to. Similar change to the trout in the cake. Oh, the egg right, indeed right, may have been mistaken for one of those of the famous goose in the storybook. Was in the habit of laying, but King Midas was the only goose that had anything to do with the matter. Ah! <laughs> and the I was just, I was just getting ready to tune out a little bit, but he's no, here. No, good. Yeah, I like uh, that. Wait a second. Do we love Nathaniel Hawthorne? I feel like I need to repeat that line. That was pretty good. Do it. The egg indeed may have been mistaken for one of those which the famous goose in the storybook was in the habit of laying, but King Midas was the only goose that had anything to do with the matter. Uh, 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 uh. Face. Well, this is, well, this is a quandary. Thought he, leaning back in his chair and looking quite enviously, it's, a little marigold. It seems we have reached an impasse. <laughs> we have reached an impasse. <laughs> Who's now eating her bread and milk with great satisfaction. Such a costly breakfast before me and nothing that can be eaten. Hoping that by the, by dint of great dispatch, he might avoid what he now felt to be a considerable inconvenience. King Midas next snatched a hot potato and attempted to cram it into his mouth and oh, swallow wow. it in a hurry. But the golden touch was too nimble for him. He found his mouth full, not of mealy potato, but of solid metal, which so burnt his tongue that he roared aloud and jumped up from the table, began to dance and stamp about the room, both with pain and affright. Father, dear father, cried little Marigold, who was a very affectionate child. She's she perfect. is. No, oh. Marigold is everything. Pray, what is the matter? Have you burnt your mouth? Oh, sweet baby. 
Ah, oh, dear child, groaned Midas dolefully, I don't know what is to become of your poor father. And truly, my dear little folks, did you ever hear of such a pitiful case in all your lives? Pitiable, <laughs> sorry. Same, same. Yeah. Here was literally the richest breakfast <laughs> that could be set before a king, and its very richness made it absolutely good for nothing. Yep. The poorest laborer sitting down to his crust of bread and cup of water was far better off than King Midas, whose delicate food was really worth its weight in gold. Ah. And what was to be done? Already at breakfast, Midas was excessively hungry. Would he be less so by dinner time? And how ravenous would be his appetite for supper, which must be undoubtedly consistent of the same sort of indigestible dishes as the ones now before him. How many days, think you, would he survive a continuance of this rich fare? These reflections so troubled wise King Midas that he began to doubt whether, after all, riches are, are the one desirable thing in the world, or even so, the most desirable. But this was only a passing thought. So fascinated was Midas with the glitter of the golden medal that he would still have refused to give up the golden touch for so paltry consideration as breakfast. Oh my god. So just like, whatever then, Midas. Turn yourself gold and just get it over Yeah, like seriously, just like that, I'm where I give up. Yeah, no, he's just the worst. Just imagine what a price for one's meal victuals it would have been the same as paying millions and millions of money and as many millions more as would take forever to reckon up for some fried trout and egg a potato a hot cake and a cup of coffee it would be quite too dear thought Midas nevertheless so great was his hunger as the perplexity of his situation that he again groaned aloud and very grievously too our pretty Marigold can endure it no longer. No, she's sick of it too. <clears throat> she sat a moment, gazing at her father and trying with all the might of her little wits <laughs> to find out what was the matter with him. Love. Then, with a sweet and sorrowful impulse to comfort him, <gasps> she hugged him, huh? Did oh. she go hug him? Oh my god, oh my god. She started from her chair and running to Midas, she threw her arms affectionately no, no, about no, his no, knees. No, he no, bent no, down no, and no, kissed no, her. No, you fucking idiot like how does it how do you not just freak out and like be like don't touch me don't touch me like nothing touch me oh my god like how is that not what you're doing like you're just like forgetting and be like well what about the egg well what about the potato well what about the fish it's fine i like my gold more than i like my breakfast you will starve to death my guy fucking idiot he felt that his little daughter's love was worth a thousand times more than the golden touch then why wasn't that fucking enough why i'm like legitimately is, angry yeah now. this is like a fucking frustrating yeah my precious precious marigold you f- motherfucker cried he but marigold made no answer alas what had he done how fatal was the gift which the stranger bestowed the moment the lips of midas touched marigold's forehead a change had taken place her sweet rosy face so full of affection it has it has been assumed a glistening yellow color with yellow teardrops congealing oh, on her cheeks no. I oh, wow i hate midas her beautiful brown ringlets took the same tint her soft and tender little form grew hard and inflexible oh. within her father's encircling arms Oh, terrible misfortune. The victim of his insatiable desire for wealth, little Marigold, was a human child no longer, but a golden statue. Yes, there she was with the questioning look of love, grief, and pity hardened into her face. It was the prettiest and most woeful sight that, that ever mortal saw. All the features and tokens of Marigold were there. Even the blood. Stop it, Nathaniel. You're killing me. 
Even the beloved little dimple remained in her golden chin. Oh my god. But the, but the more perfect was the resemblance, the greater was the father's agony at beholding this golden image, which was all that was left him of a daughter. It had been a favorite phrase of Midas whenever he felt particularly fond of the child to say that she was worth her weight in gold. And now the phrase had become literally true. And is he like stuck there? Because she was like hugging his legs. I don't know. And now at last, when it was too late, he felt how infinitely a warm and tender heart that loved him exceeded in value all the wealth that could be piled up betwixt the earth and sky. It would be too sad a story if I were to tell you how Midas, in the fullness of his gift, gratified desires, began to wring his hands and bemoan himself, and how he could neither bear nor look at Marigold, nor yet to look away from her, except when his eyes were fixed on the image, he could not possibly believe that she had been changed to gold. But stealing another glance, there was the precious little figure with a yellow teardrop on its yellow cheek, and a look so piteous and tender that it seemed as if the very expression must needs soften the gold and make it flesh again. This, however, could not be. So Midas only had to wring his hands and wish that he were the poorest man in the wide world if the loss of all his wealth might bring him back the faintest rose color to his dear child's face. While he was in the tumult of his despair, he suddenly beheld a stranger standing near the door. Oh, God. Midas bent his head without speaking, for he recognized the same figure which had appeared to him the day before in the treasure room and had bestowed on him this disastrous faculty of the golden touch. The stranger's countenance still wore a smile, which seemed to shed a... I How love is that. this not like a horror movie? I don't know. I like that. This would that. be a fantastic horror movie. Yeah. I like that. Ooh, ooh, Who ooh. seemed to shed a yellow luster all about the room and gleamed on little Marigold's image and on the other objects that had been transmuted by the touch of Midas. Ooh. Well, friend Midas, said the stranger, pray, how do you succeed with the golden touch? Ooh. Midas shook his head. I'm very miserable, said he. Very miserable indeed, exclaimed the stranger. <laughs> and how happens that? Have I not faithfully kept my promise with you? Have you not everything your heart desired? This really, like, twisted in there. This is rich. Yeah, yeah, that knife is really just... Yeah. Gold is not everything, answered Midas, and I've lost all that my heart really cared for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ah, so you've made a discovery since yesterday, observed the stranger. <laughs> That's it. Jesus it, Christ. It has, like, been maybe, like, nine hours. <laughs> Like, this is, yeah, like, this hasn't even been a fucking day. He didn't make it through breakfast. Let us see, then. Which of these two things do you think is really worth the most? The gift of the golden touch or one cup of clear, cold water? Oh, blessed water, exclaimed Midas. I will never moisten my parched throat again. The golden touch, continued the stranger, or a crust of bread. A piece of bread, answered Midas, is worth all the gold on earth. (laughs) The golden touch, asked the stranger, or your own little marigold, warm, soft, and loving as she was an hour ago. Oh, my child, my dear child, cried poor Midas, wringing his hands. I would not have given that one small dimple in her chin for the power of changing this whole big earth into a solid lump of gold. You are wiser, wiser than you were, King Midas, said the stranger, looking seriously at him. Your own heart, I perceive, has not been entirely changed from flesh to gold. Were it so... Your case would indeed be desperate, but you appear to still be capable of understanding that the commonest things, such as lie within everybody's grasp, are more valuable than the riches which so many mortals sigh and struggle after. Tell me now, do you sincerely desire to rid yourself of this golden touch? It is hateful to me, replied Midas. 
A fly settled on his nose, but immediately fell to the floor, for it too had become gold. How My- fucking annoying in that moment. Like, motherfucker! <laughs> Might have shuddered. Yeah, like, <laughs> Like, tink. <laughs> oh, yeah, and like the clink it made, yeah. I'm sure, as it hit the ground. Which is interesting because he had to, like, kiss her for her to turn gold, but right? this thing just, like, flew at his face. Yeah. Well, it's possible, like, she touched just his clothes. Yeah. She yeah. Threw, okay, okay. And then, like, his hands touched her clothes when yeah. he grabbed okay. it, but then it was the yeah. that did it. Okay. Oh, and, like, your kiss is what did yeah. it. Like, a, a show of affection yeah. is what killed her. Oh. <sighs> Go then, said the stranger, and plunge into the river that guides past the bottom of your garden. Take likewise a vase of the same water and sprinkle it over any object that you may desire to change back again from gold into its former substance. Oh, is he just going to get like a free pass out of this? God, for her sake, I fucking hope so. Now her dad will appreciate her all the more. If you do this in earnest and sincerity, it may be possible, it may possibly repair the mischief in which your avarice has occasioned. Jesus. That was a good line. Yeah, damn, man. King Midas bowed low, and when he lifted his head, the lustrous stranger had vanished. You will easily believe that Midas lost no time in snatching up a great earthen pitcher. But alas me, it was no longer earthen after he touched it. Uh. <laughs> and hastened to the riverside. As he scampered along... I love the word scampered. Yes. I just... Just run that. I do there. like picture like a very flat feet, like just like plop, 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 yep. like going all the way down to the river, yeah. And forced his way through the shrubbery. It was positively marvelous to see how the foliage turned yellow behind him, as if the autumn had been there and nowhere else. On reaching the river's brink, he plunged headlong in without waiting so much as to pull off his shoes. Poof, poof, poof! Snorted King Midas <laughs> as his head emerged out of the water. This is really a refreshing bath, and I think it must have quite washed away the golden touch. And now, for filling my pitcher. As he dipped the pitcher into the water, it gladdened his very heart to see it change from gold into the same good, honest, earthen vessel, which it had been before he touched it. He was conscious also of the change within himself. Just a nice, good, honest vessel, you know? His heart really was turning into gold. It was. Oh! A cold, hard, and heavy weight seemed to have gone out of his bosom. Oh! No doubt his hard head, heart had been gradually losing its human substance Ew. and transmuting itself into insensible metal, but had now softened back again into flesh. Okay. Perceiving a violet that grew on the bank of the river, Midas touched it with his finger and was overjoyed to find that the delicate flower retained its purple hue instead of undergoing a bright, a yellow blight. The curse of the golden touch had therefore really been removed from him. King Midas hastened back to the palace and I suppose the servants knew not what to make of it when they saw the royal master so carefully bringing home an earthen pitcher of water. But that water, which was to undo all the mischief that his folly had wrought, was more precious to Midas than an ocean of molten gold ever could have been. The first thing he did, as you need hardly be told, <laughs> was to sprinkle handfuls over the golden figure of little marigold. No sooner did it fall on her than you would have laughed to see how the rosy color came back to the dear child's cheek. Sweet love. How she began to knees and sputter and how astonished she was to find herself dripping wet and her father was still throwing more water over her <laughs> pray do not dear father yeah, <laughs> cried please. she see if you see how you've wet my nice frock which i only put on this morning <laughs> for marigold did not know that she'd been a little golden statue nor could she remember <laughs> anything that happened since the moment moment when she ran with outstretched arms to comfort poor king midas That's she runs good. at her dad and suddenly he's dumping water yeah she's like what the fuck yeah but i'm glad she didn't remember anything. yeah that's probably good yeah it's for the best 
Her father did not think it necessary to tell his beloved child how very foolish he had been, but contented himself with showing how much wiser he had now grown. For this purpose, the garden! Oh! He led his little marigold into the garden, where he sprinkled all the remainder of the water over the rose bushes with such good effect that above 5,000 roses recovered their beautiful That was probably so fucking cool, dude. Like, water, like, hitting the gold and, like, melting back into, like, flat. Oh, my gosh. And then it, like, smells so good. Had a little, like, magic in her eyes. Oh, yeah. "Ah!" She probably thought that was the coolest shit she had ever seen. There were two circumstances, however, which, as long as he lived, used to put King Midas in mind of the golden touch. One was that the sands of the river sparkled like gold the other that little marigold's hair now had a golden tinge which he never observed in it before she had transmuted by the effect of his kiss this change of hue was really an improvement and made marigold's hair richer hair richer than in her babyhood oh okay that's when cute king midas had grown quite an old man and used to trot marigold's children on his knee oh you know what I'm thinking of right now? <laughs> I'm gonna just start doing this all the time. You know what I'm thinking of right now? And what are you thinking of right now? Um, I'm thinking of the king's vision in Cinderella when he's like, "I want grandchildren," and yes. there's a baby trotting oh my on my gosh! His yes, 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 yes. Yep, that is that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Yep, that's correct. Um, and used to trot Marigold's children on his knee. He was fond of telling them this marvelous story, pretty much as I have told it to you. And then he would stroke their glossy ringlets and tell them that their hair, likewise, had the rich shade of gold, which they had inherited from their mother. <laughs> and to tell you the truth, my precious little folks. Oh, what are we, Mr. Hawthorne? <laughs> so cute. Oh, no, this is what King Midas is saying. Oh, I thought he was, because he's called us pet names. He has, and it's cute. Okay, sorry. Quoth King Midas, diligently trotting the children all the while. Ever since that morning, I've hated the very sight of all other gold save this. Cute. Nathaniel. (sighs) Honestly, this episode should have been 21. This one was a ride. That was a lot. I mean, it's a 20. Yeah, this one should have been 20. Yeah, this, yeah, it's 21. This is 21. Whoa. Should have been should have been 20 because this one was a ride but it was a banger yeah holy i shit. loved all three of those holy shit there you go raccoon do. girlies the sweet the eyes the lashes the yeah. bows number one was a ride beautiful fur they had yeah but oh those those girlies yeah they're dead now but <laughs> yeah. oh yeah 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 again like a lot of weird twists and turns in this one yeah this is the twisty turny episode for sure mm-hmm. this is the twistiest mm-hmm. and turniest of them i would say i would say yeah okay well bye bye